everybody and welcome. This is the Mazao Talks podcast, which is a platform for both knowledge sharing and peer-to-peer exchange between small and medium-scale farmers across Kenya. We feature contributions by farmers, budding farmers, agri-food experts, as we drive discussions on good agricultural practices, as well as business opportunities that are readily available for the youth. This podcast is made possible by the European Union Funded Market Access Upgrade Program, MACUP, which is implemented by United Nations Industrial Development Organization, UNIDO, and is produced right here at Semabox. Yeah, so as we start, please remember to like, share, and subscribe on all our platforms. Our handle is at MACUP Kenya on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. For more information about any of the topics we discuss, please find us at markupkenya.org. My good name is Jason. I am Sheila. And no matter who you are, you, you can farm. In this week's episode, we are going to take a look at the full policy of Kenya towards getting Kenyan produce to the global market. If you're looking at getting your produce to the global market, then this is the episode that you have been waiting for. We have heard of programs like the Blue Economy and others, so today let's hear about the Green Economy. Now with us in studio today is Mr. Joshua Oluyali from the Ministry of Agriculture. Karibu sana. Thank you very much. Um... My name is Joshua Oliel. I'm the head of horticulture in the State Department for Crop Development and Agricultural Research, Ministry of Agriculture, Livestock, Fisheries, and Cooperative. Um, I've come here because of one reason, that um, as a government officer, we work very closely with our development partners, and uh, that's how we came to... Uh, collaborate with the MACAP, Market Access Upgrade Program, on areas of uh, promotion of horticultural crops for export in selected counties across the country. So we have been collaborating in areas of uh, uh, sensitization, awareness creation, and also on areas of improving quality of the export produce. So uh, today we are here because uh, uh, as part of uh, creating awareness, uh, the, the project requested that I do a small uh, interview with the media team to be able to share some of the, the work the government is doing with the markup project. Okay, yeah, and I think Joshua is a bank of knowledge. We were yeah. having a small chat before we started recording, and I'd really want you to tell our listeners like what your background is, how you started in horticulture till to where we are now this year, 2021. Yes, uh, thank you very much. I think, uh, like you said, yes, uh, I've worked for fairly a long time, and uh, of course working for a long time means that also you you have experience in various fields in, uh, in the industry. So I have worked at uh, that time, they were called districts. Now they are called counties. That's where I started from. And uh, then I worked at the province, that is a uh, coast province. And from there, then I moved back to headquarters where I've been for uh, so major 
part of my working life. So <clears throat> I've worked in various uh, capacities mm. uh, at headquarters, um, worked in budgets. I was um, in charge of budgets for the ministry, the whole country. And uh, we tried to bring in uh, changes that improved our budgeting in the, in the government. Um, we also did uh, a lot of planning and uh, that I was able to make some improvement also in our service delivery. Uh, but currently, I'm the head of horticulture. And uh, horticulture is a big industry. I think it's the biggest in the ministry uh, because uh, horticultural crops uh, take about more than 80% of all the crops grown in this country. So it is actually the biggest industry, both locally, domestically, and even when it comes to export. Horticulture is now the leading export earner. Mm. Okay, um, I'm just going to go straight into it. Um, there's a very deliberate investment by the government of Kenya into tourism. I mean, we see all these campaigns with Magical Kenya every mm. year. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that, do you feel or is there actually one set aside for agriculture as well? Uh, yes, uh, actually the ag agriculture sector in Kenya is receiving substantial support from the government through direct funding from Treasury, but also through our various development partners. Um, we have funding from World Bank. We do have funding from IFAD. We have funding from ADB, Africa Development Bank, and various donors, uh, actually many donors, many of our development need partner states like Netherlands government, German government, Sweden government, Japan, uh, the government of Japan, uh, and, um, and even US. US has come in a, in a large way. Mm. So uh, we are receiving quite uh, substantial support. And uh, the challenge is actually on us to see whether we can direct this support to be able to address the problems that affect this country, uh, agricultural development, and also for our export partner market. Maybe Joshua, we could go a bit more into the number for mm. what has been set aside specifically for marketing agricultural produce. Uh, in the local market or in both local and export? Yes, both. Yes, uh, um, I want to say that um, there is uh, there are resources set aside for marketing, uh, but as you know, this is a government has departments that work on various uh, aspects of the economy, and we have a um, minister of trade, minister of industrialization, and enterprise development. We have um, a parastatal called Kepropa, uh, uh, which is in charge, which is responsible for marketing of Kenyan produce and. Uh, in, our, in our partner states. So the budget for that is uh, with Kepropa, and I may not have uh, the exact figure. Maybe now we can talk policy. Mm -hmm. Can you shed some light on some of the key policy moves that the Kenyan government is making or has made in the last few years to market Kenyan produce? The key policies that have been made, of course, uh, to be able to market produce uh, as a country, we have to, of course, uh, develop our local uh, 
local capacity to produce. So the policies that actually look at both uh, domestic and export market. And the one that we are implementing right now is called, uh, we have a strategy called agriculture uh, sector growth and transformation strategy, that is SDGs. Um, we also have integrated export promotion uh, strategy, which is under Ministry of Trade. That one was developed specifically to uh, promote exports of our produce in our destination markets. But also currently we are also working on uh, agricultural market, national agricultural marketing strategy uh, because we have not had one, but now it's almost in the final stages of development. And together with that, I think we shall be able to invest, have more opportunity to invest in development of our markets, both the, the logistics, infrastructure, and also being able to open up more markets outside this country. Okay. Um, what's the policy strategy for marketing Kenyan produce out there? Uh, the one that uh, we, we are working with is now integrated export uh, promotions strategy mm -hmm. uh, it's called IMEPS is under Ministry of Trade okay yeah. uh, what about trade agreements um, are there any that you can highlight yes I know we have very many trade agreements they are both regional we also have international WTO <clears throat> so um, the subject of trade agreements of course uh, lies with the uh, Ministry of Trade but I know as a country, we have actually had a lot of um, bilateral agreements signed by many partner states where we are required to, to exchange commodities. And most of the time, most of our agreements are actually for Kenya to supply agricultural commodities in exchange of other commodities like the electronics and so on. So... Uh, those agreements are under the State Department of Trade, the External Trade Department. But as a ministry, because we collaborate closely, we are now working on a, a way of getting, aggregating all that information uh, together, of course, working with the Ministry of Foreign, uh, Foreign Affairs to get that information aggregated so that we can be able to share this information with the counties for them to be able to produce and we, as we target those markets. But that information is not yet uh, available, but that is what uh, government is working on right now. There's a committee that has been set up to do that. Okay. From your capacity, Joshua, can you, what, um, what are the, what's the produce that you can say is a focused produce or the focused countries that we are working to improve? Yeah, we... Our largest market, as far as uh, horticulture is concerned, is of course the EU. Now with the uh, Brexit, now we have the EU and the British. Mm. Mm. So we also have a very big market for flowers, Australia. And now the US has come in a big way. So we are opening, you know, US is a very big market for both for a lot of commodities. And uh, we are now looking towards uh, opening up markets in the U.S. We also have the Far East, that is Japan, Korea, and so on, and of course the Middle East. And the good thing is that most of these markets uh, present us with uh, different opportunities 
because uh, what with the requirements for different markets are different, so we can be able to target them separately and be able to grow our markets. Like I said, uh, the responsibility is on us. If you want to make sure we any the markets are there, but are we able to produce enough produce of the quality this various market destination desire? Mm. So that is what I meant by saying that um, we need now to put our act together, working with partners like Markup, to see whether we can set up some standards for quality produce that can go to those markets. But we have a market for fruits, uh, avocado and mangoes. Uh, passion fruits is a very big market, but unfortunately passion fruits, we have challenges of disease in this country, which, uh, which really is, uh, is a difficult disease to deal with. Uh, the other big market we have is for uh, vegetables, uh, a lot of uh, big market for vegetables. Then there are market for flowers, like to the Netherlands. And then we have also Australia, where we have a big market for flowers. But also the other emerging markets for other produce, like the roots and tubers that we were discussing earlier, where there are very many markets, like um, the, the Queen. The Queen of England eats potatoes from Kenya. Uh, and of course, uh, things like bee honey is very good. Uh, the honey that was used to preserve Princess Diana came from Kenya. Mm. Wow, facts. <laughs> so we have a huge market for many produce from this country. Mm. And therefore, uh, I said the responsibility is on us if we work together, all of us. Uh, because the part of the work we are doing here is to try and uh, encourage the Kenyans, all the value chain actors, to see these opportunities and, uh, and be able to take care of opportunities. As government, we, we promise to continue trying to uh, get markets, sharing uh, information about the various market destinations, the requirements of the, for the market, and of course facilitating the, the produce to go to those markets. Now, the, big part, the biggest part of the export market is basically compliance. There are so many compliance pieces that are required in order for the produce to be allowed into markets that we all want to sell to. What's also problematic sometimes is that these standards have not been applied locally in Kenyan market, so farmers are having challenges in meeting them. It's an area uh, that probably needs a lot of focus from both government and farmer or producer groups. Question, how is the engagement right now between government agencies concerned and the farmer or even producer groups? Yeah, I, currently, mm -hmm. uh, one of the, um, I want to say that our biggest weakness as a country has been uh, weak linkages among all the value chain actors, starting from the, um, the market, going to the producers. So without having strong linkages among these partners, we have resulted in having a problem with quality and also quantity. Though the market requires this produce of this quality, that information never gets to the producers and the other value chain actors who handle the produce. Um, so that is the first area that we, we have actually 
have a, a strategy on how to deal with that by organizing production and marketing clusters that with the, within those clusters, we are able to share market information that is demand and also the quality requirements. Then the producers are able to respond by producing, mm -hmm. but with the support from the various actors and service providers. So if it is an issue about uh, supply of seed, supply of inputs, they are assured of the supply and they also know when to plant for a certain market. So that is a linkage that has been missing. Okay. Uh, so if you're able to put up that linkage, then you're able to respond to the markets appropriately anytime we get new market, uh, open up new markets. Because uh, Kenya, all of us know that Kenya has very many agroecological zones, mm -hmm. which means that we are able to produce a variety of, of commodities for various markets. Yeah. Mm, so the only thing that has been lacking is that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've visited a lot of farmers across the country, and uh, especially with exporters, we hear a lot. I mean, this word comes up all the time. Compliance, 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 compliance. Question is, are there any programs that are specifically targeted to helping farmers achieve the required compliance standards? Yes, there have been very many programs. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they focus on only on training. But the biggest problem that small-scale farmers mostly have is uh, the quality infrastructure and also the skills to be able to comply. I'll give an example. <clears throat> if you talk about uh, compliance to standards, you have to start from the quality of the planting materials and the services that will enable them to follow the good agronomic practices up to the end, up to harvesting and even post-harvest handling. You'll find that these facilities uh, are not available. So the farmers can work very hard and produce very good produce, but how is it going to be handled? It is carried on a motorbike from the farm to the center. And it's tied in a very untidy way, in an, in an inappropriate way. So by the time the produce reaches the center, it has been messed up. So when I talk about now providing support to producers to be able to comply to standards, it means that after the, the farmer will be able to produce following the required practice, but then when it is harvested, the transporter needs to know how to handle the produce. When it goes to the center, the person handling the produce at the center knows how to to sort and store it appropriately. And from there, then it's supposed to be transported again in the right, with appropriate uh, vessels, all the way to the market. Okay. Let's talk about Global GAP certification in particular. Um, what are the specific things government is doing to support greater certification of farmers? On issue, we understand, like you said, that... Um, for us to access the market, you must have certif various certification. Mm -hmm. And one of them is Global Gap, which is a, a private standard, but of course is mandatory because uh, that is what the consumers want. So <clears throat> we also believe that uh, getting Global Gap certification for individual farmers is expensive. Mm -hmm. And that's why we are saying that uh, once we're able to organize farmers, 
then this is given to a group, not an individual. So that will be much cheaper. And every farmer wants to comply. So as long as they are, they get the training, they have the various uh, 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 quality uh, equipment, which can be able to be used to determine the, the market requirements, then we don't see a problem in our small-scale farmers complying. After all, the best deal that comes from Kenya for many years has been from small-scale farmers. It is because they have that kind of infrastructure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've seen that there are county governments going well and above the norms and using very innovative policy approaches to supporting production as well as supply chain issues. Uh, what do you think is the future of this? Um, the county governments, of course, are responsible for they are the ones to implement agriculture projects and programs. So they are, this, they are quite in order to, to be able to in, in invest in this supply chain for various crops. But uh, one of the things that we want to, to work close with the county government is to provide them with the various standards and uh, designs of some of these uh, in investments that they are making mm -hmm. so that there is, they can be able to comply the various market requirements. Yeah. I know they have invested a lot in markets, which is a good thing. But uh, when you are going around the country and talking to stakeholders, the stakeholders are saying one thing. Mm. Uh, you are investing in markets for consumers, not for farmers. Mm. Mm. So when you build a market and it's a beautiful market, it's a four-story market, and the consumers, there are stalls there for traders to sell, that's a market for consumers. And it's a good outlet for farmers. Yeah. But now we need to develop a market for farmers. And farmers require a market that has facilities I've talked about here, yeah. where they bring their produce together. It's, there's good uh, sorting done, mm. and packaging is done, labeling is done, quality uh, control is done, so that now we are able to to go to the market with the right produce. Oh, nice! And of course, preservation. Yeah. Mm. So that is what we're calling aggregation centers. Mm. So we are in the process. We have set up. We have developed, uh, we are developing uh, guidelines on how to set up this aggregation center so that they are standard across the country. Okay. And then we can be able to work with the counties for them to develop those okay. kind of facilities. Of course, we cannot talk about government without talking about issues relating to tax. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know tax um, is a huge factor of production mm -hmm. because that affects everyone, right? The small scale farmer. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about what about uh, tax and tax incentives. What are the ones that exist that are driving the move towards greater compliance? Mm, I think um, let me start by saying that uh, all governments run on taxes. So we cannot have, we cannot provide free services. The government must get money, revenue, mm. and therefore taxation is uh, mandatory for governments. Uh, but having said that, I think the Kenya government has, uh, made, a, uh, has made a lot of provision to encourage uh, uh, compliance uh, because right now, agricultural machinery equipment and facilities are tax exempt. Mm. So if you apply as an importer of those equipment, you are able to be given a tax waiver, any duty waiver. Okay. Yes. I wanted to find out, a lot of times we find we suffer because of lack of information. 
so I want us to talk deliberately de and directly to the small-scale farmer or just a farmer in general who may not be aware of some of these uh, exemptions. How can they take advantage of this? As a farmer, I'm sure every, anyone is in is 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 free to import if you have your if if you have the money and you know where this pro, this uh, technology comes from you can import so what you do when you're importing then you write a letter to the ministry of agriculture requesting for duty exemption for specific items which you list down and you provide other details about the invoice number the quantities and so on then the ministry will write a a recommendation letter to Kenya Revenue Authority to recommend for duty exemption. So it would be upon the farmer now to use that letter to go there and using the act, which I've talked about, Public Finance Management Act, you'll be able to get exempt. All the farmers who are listening to us today, <laughs> please make the Ministry of Agriculture your friend and visit there and get all the information that you know um, that you could possibly need because lack yeah. of information mm. again is a huge problem. Yes. So if you're a farmer out there and you're listening to us today, um, your best friend actually should be the Ministry of Agriculture because there's a lot of information mm. and opportunities that lie therein. <laughs> Thank you. I have a question. Sorry, Joshua, regarding that. I mean, so, oh, sorry. So you said, talked about the Public Finance Act and also being able to get exemptions, but... I mean, if someone in Busia would have to come all the way in Nairobi, then these policies don't favor small farmers. Because, am I making sense, guys? Because it's only the importers who are in Nairobi who would maybe eventually go and sell to the guy in Busia who are enjoying such a policy. But me, someone in my village in Moranga, might, they don't know and they might, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I, I get you what you're saying. Yeah. But, um, you realize that uh, if you're importing anything by sea, mm. you you don't have to go to Mombasa to get it yourself. You can use clearing agents. Yeah. So the same thing also when you're importing goods mm. and you are in Busia, mm. you work with the clearing agents who are in Nairobi and they'll clear for you. Ah, okay. Mm, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. um, so Joshua, right now we, we live in a very digital world. Mm -hmm. We see things being digitized, new technology coming up every day. Um, from the conversation we just had, about, you know, if you need exams, you have to come to Nairobi and deal with it from the national government. Are there any plans um, to have more digital services being offered in terms of for farmers, um, especially for exports? Um, yes, I think um, with the technology, we cannot deny that uh, we have to accept for um, a process of continuous improvement in provision of our services to the public. And therefore, I think this is a good idea. And we feel that um, <clears throat> as government, we embrace all these good ideas and we see whether we can work with the relevant partners in government to, to have some of these services uh, available online so that uh, farmers who are remotely placed can be able to make these applications online. I'm not promising anything, <laughs> but I'm just saying that uh, it's an opportunity for us from the idea we have shared here yeah. to moving in the future to see whether this can also be made possible. 
Do you currently have any services being offered online or using technology? Uh, as a ministry or yes. uh, as government? As government, mm. as a ministry, as a department, maybe in your department you have. <laughs> um, right now, I, I think uh, it's still uh, limited because after devolution, a lot of services have been uh, devolved to the counties. So what you could be offering to farmers uh, um, is, for example, what you're doing is just maybe information on, on these markets market requirements, which are in the process of developing um, uh, um, an information platform for my export market information, because we know that uh, if this information is available to various counties, they're able to take advantage of those export markets. So that will include various commodities that are relevant to the project that we are discussing today. Okay. Uh, now we're talking about digital stuff. Maybe I could just move you a bit and ask you um, from an industry point of view, is there, what's the level of tech innovation and adaptation in the agribusiness space? Mm, I can say the level of tech innovation is um, it's average um, because we also realize that uh, more than 80% of farmers are small-scale farmers. And uh, I think majority of, I know we have a very good penetration of internet in this country and mobile phone network. And um, But still you find that majority of farmers still use their phones that are not uh, internet enabled. So we may be able to communicate using maybe the USSD code to majority of farmers. But uh, online and tech, uh, other, other technological advancement that requires uh, internet, we may not be able to reach very many farmers. But one thing about farmers in this country is one, um, farmers share a lot of information amongst themselves. So uh, it's an opportunity for us to, to explore. And I think the government is uh, looking into that. So... This is a lot of information that is given. You know, we have a ministry for ICT and we'll be working closely with them. I know they are developing some form of platform for us we can be able to use to reach the various uh, our various customers. Okay. Would you say that we are getting close to finding the M-Pesa of agribusiness? M-Pesa of agribusiness? Yes. We are finding, I think we are getting closer to developing a Uduma Center for for agribusiness. Oh. It's closer. Could you please tell us more about that? Yes, when you talk about uh, cluster formation and uh, establishment of aggregation centers, that is a, that will be a Uduma Center for farmers, where they get all the services, including the market. So if they want uh, information, they'll get from there. If they want training, they'll get it from there. If they want to know what is uh, required to be planted and in what quantities, they'll get that information from there. If they, if they want to know the market requirements, they'll get it from there. If they want services like land preparation services, pest control services, uh, various trainings, uh, they'll get it from there. And also the quality control, which is critical. They'll get it from there. Okay. Mm. 
Um, maybe we can talk about situations where and opportunities where technology can come through for both farmers as well as um, the government. Mm. What, in your opinion, do you think this can be? Yeah, I think um, if we have um, a good connection between the, all the various value chain actors, then the first thing that, uh, of course, like you said, information exchange. Technology, if it can solve the issue about information so that uh, everybody knows what, the, what is required to be done and everybody does the right thing, that would be first, the first intervention that will create a lot of difference. The other way technology can also help a lot is because in this country, the reason why we are also very poor in quality and um, production is because of skills. So we'd like to put some information on training, which is online, so that uh, if you wanted to spray and you don't even know how to read and write, you can use some form of a demonstration where somebody can just open and see a demo mm. and he says, oh, if I want to apply my, my, my pest control products on the plant, first I need to do the scouting, then you are shown how to do the scouting and using some of the applications, you can put in the information what you have seen on, uh, in your field and it tells you whether it is the threshold for you to spray or not to spray. And it can even tell you which pest to use, pesticide to use. And then when it comes to spraying, there is something, there's a demonstration that is able to show you this is how you, you spray so that you do not have a problem of maximum residue, yeah. uh, residues on your produce when you're selling. So uh, we think those two areas can really improve because uh, if we sort out the problem of the quality, the quantity of produce, mm. I think the rest of the problems are not difficult to sort out. What about disease monitoring? How do you think we can involve technology in that aspect? Oh, yes, there is a, there is a lot of technology in that. And uh, using the satellite images mm -hmm. and also using the drone technology, I think drones take very good quality, very high-resolution photographs of, uh, of, of plants and using various... Uh, modeling, models that have been developed. I think you're able to, to predict disease outbreak even one week before it occurs. Mm. And the good thing is that with this technology, you can just be able to localize also where the outbreak is likely to take place. So you don't need to spray the whole field. Mm. You only go to that spot and you, you spray there alone. It's called precision heart agriculture. Uh, we've seen some graphics and maps uh, during the locust, during the desert locust outbreak. Mm. Is the technology that was used uh, for this available to government? Yes, uh, it's available. We have uh, we have ESRI, which offers the GIS in this country. They are located within the country, mm. and uh, we have worked with them on many other projects, like when we had a problem of. Uh, uh, when Corona, the, the, this pandemic started, mm. I think we were able to use that uh, work with them to to map out the food, mm. the food available in the country. Okay, and they did a good job. Yes, so yes, it's available. Since this technology is available, what do you think? Uh, what What would you say is available to farmers 
to help them uh, reduce uh, pests and diseases. Yeah, the, actually, what uh, what you have with GIS and uh, other satellite imageries is you're able to forecast uh, before the outbreak. Mm. And I think that's what we did the test at Locust. We knew where they were, and we knew how they were moving into the country. Then we would go and position the aircrafts in those areas so that mm. where they land, they are sprayed. So we can use that because... Um, uh, once you organize uh, our farmers, it is a service they can pay collectively. Yeah. And also government can subscribe some of this and then provide that uh, early warning information mm. to certain areas which they can be able to use to now put control measures in place uh, at the appropriate time before the outbreak gets out of hand. Um, so my final question would be, what about medium to low tech? Are there incentives available to help farmers move from manual farm methods towards more mechanization? <clears throat> yes, uh, I think um, when it comes to majority of services that farmers get, one thing I want to say is that um, when it comes to providing efficient and uh, affordable services, mm -hmm. then um, it makes sense to promote those as businesses so that uh, instead of a farmer deciding to spray buy a spray pump, mm. go and buy a chemical, a pest control product, come and spray themselves, they can hire that service. Yeah. So uh, to reduce the cost of uh, all these operations, I know many of us eat Ugali and where we come from, they are, we don't have portion meals at home, but we are able to make our maize flour yeah. at as cheap as even 20 shillings. Mm. But if you are to buy your own portion meal, I'm sure you'll spend more money. Yeah. Mm. Same thing applies to a majority of services. When you say that you are trying to reorganize the services, we would want, if I want the spray to be done, and uh, I don't have knowledge about pests, there is somebody who will come and do uh, scouting. And then that person will give indication what when it should be sprayed and what should be used. Mm. But then it will not be for me to spray. There'll be a, a, a service provider trained to just to apply yeah. pest control product at a predetermined fee for a particular pest per unit area. Mm. So if it's one acre, I know that when I call somebody to come and spray, the, the total cost of spraying plus the, the chemical used is 300 shillings per acre. So I just pay for that. Mm. But there's somebody to make sure that the, the right chemical has been used, used yeah. and the pest that was being controlled is the right pest. So that is what we mean by technology now. Mm. If we're able to, to do that, then we'll find that we'll bring down the cost, but also improve on efficiency and also on quality. Because the, the aim of using this kind of approach is because we want to train service providers who know the importance of using the right molecule mm. for the right pest, because it has a market implication, it has a business implication. implication yeah. So because they are in business, they would want to follow all the required mm. uh, guidelines. And that way, we cannot have a problem of even using products from unknown sources like what they're getting from Uganda and Tanzania, because yeah. who will they sell to? Yeah. If the farmers is not paying, and this service provider cannot, mm. 
cannot go and get a pester which is not registered to be used on a certain commodity. So we can be able to remove that and uh, those contraband chemicals in our market food systems. Uh, Mr. Joshua, with your experience and as well as the position you hold now, I just want to know what would be your ideal situation, what heaven would look like for you, um, especially for the agricultural sector, both as an individual and as someone who works in government? I'm looking forward to the day when um, I would want to see agriculture plays a rightful role that is um, addressing the poverty in this country. Mm. Agriculture can address poverty if and when all farmers, whether they are poultry farmers, whether they are uh, fish farmers, whether they are crop farmers, they are all able to produce for the market. But they also know what they they also understand what they should eat at home and they're able to get enough money so that all Kenyan children born in this country can get a chance to go to school mm. and complete school and be sure that uh, because of the performance of agriculture sector, there'll be also job opportunities for them to yeah. engage in directly and contribute to the development of this country. Mm. Um, so there's a question that we always ask. Um, this is also just to pick your brain. First of all, I would like to say, on behalf of the Kenyan people, thank you so much for your service. It's been a long time you've worked in this industry and um, in, at the ministry. Um, I just want to say thank you. But you've also gained a lot of knowledge um, along the way uh, and a lot of experience along the way. So assuming um, you mentioned that you're going into retirement in about three months. Assuming that you went to your bank account and you had a million dollars, that's approximately about 100 million Kenya shillings, where would you, this is all for you, where would you invest uh, within the agricultural sector specifically and also which part of the value chain for that product? Um, I think for that, at the moment. Yes. I would invest in avocado okay. farming and I would invest in um, two things, mm -hmm. just two things. Uh, setting up a high standard nursery for avocado seedlings because I want our farmers to grow quality avocado. The market is big, mm -hmm. reach the market. And also I'll establish orchards that can produce avocado, just those two areas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, I guess that's it for this week. We just want to say a special thank you to all our guests for joining us today. Also, a big thank you to UNIDO under the EU-supported MACA program for making this possible. This podcast is made at Semabox. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And for more information about any of the topics we discuss, please find us at markupkenya.org. 
please like, share, and subscribe. And for more information about any of the topics we discuss, you can find us at uh, markupkenya.org and on our socials, that's at markupkenya on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. Wishing you guys a great week. And remember, no matter who you are, you, you can, can find.